Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Man, I was moved in that time of communion this morning. Just such a wonderful presence of the Lord here today. and um, Like the cross never gets old, eh? The message of the cross, the need that we have for the um, ongoing work of the power of the cross, just it never, we can never um, get too mature or too spiritual <laughs> to, to move away from our, the, the, the foundation, you know, um, of our faith. And so, so, so awesome to, to share that moment with you guys and um, just amazing moment of worship. So just like church, you just, it's so exciting to come into a, an environment where you, you're bringing a heart of worship and a, and a heart of honor to the King of Kings. And, and so just, uh, it's just really awesome. It's awesome because we all benefit from that. <laughs> like, you know, we really benefit from your faith. We, there's something that we experience together that we don't experience alone. Um, when we come and bring our dimension of the kingdom um, in, into, into the Sunday service context. You know, this is our meal table, I, I guess, in the expression of the body of Christ when we're, we're all here and we're fellowshipping. And, and when we bring our faith and we bring our hope and we bring our love, something great is going to happen <laughs> in the collection of, of faith. And actually, I want to just touch on that as I um, just uh, start a series um, a four-week series on on the gospel of the kingdom. And I just wanted to share, actually, probably what is my favorite. It's really hard. I probably say that every time I, I give a story. But but this is my one of my favorite um, stories of the gospel uh, found in Luke 5, um, verse 17. It says, one day Jesus was was teaching, and, and the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law uh, were sitting there, and they'd come from far and wide. In fact, there weren't just them, there was, there was community, and they come from far and wide. And it says, And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. I don't know if that was like special healing the sick Sunday or whatever it was in, in the context of Jesus' ministry, but it really frames that actually in this context of the way that Jesus was ministering, that his power was present to heal the sick. And, and uh, Jesus was this epicenter of a move of God that day. There was a groundswell of hungry people there. And, um, and they were there partly to hear what Jesus was saying, but also, you know, they were, they were there because they hoped that they would receive something of Jesus that they didn't have. You know, they were hoping for healing, I guess. They were hoping for greater revelation, for favor, for, you know, just, we're like moths to the flame when it comes to Jesus. I mean, like, let's get around Jesus because he actually is the epicenter of all the life that flows out of us. And then it says in verse 18, it says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And then when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof. They lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. That's awesome. <laughs> That's out of the box. 
That's this, you know, there's multiple ways, you know, like to, to solve a problem. <laughs> and they were thinking out of the box. And then it says, when Jesus saw their faith, everyone said their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord began, uh, began thinking to themselves, who's this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And, and then Jesus knew what they were thinking. Come on, that's the God factor there. He just pulls that out. And he can look in beyond, uh, behind the physical into the, into the supernatural, into their hearts. And he knew what they were thinking. And he, and he says, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority. Come on, this is, this is where it gets like rubber meets the road. I want you to know that the Son of Man, Jesus, has authority. This is, this is the authority to outwork the vision, the mission, the values of another realm. This is the authority suddenly that he's got. He's put on the uniform. You know, like when a policeman comes from behind and there's flashing lights and you're like, they have authority. I'm pulling over. Well, well, Jesus came into this moment and he said, I want you to know that I'm wearing the uniform of another realm and I have the authority. And so he is, I've got the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. And then immediately he stood up and, and he took uh, what he'd been lying on and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. Ah, it's a great story. Such an amazing encounter. And I love, I love this story because of, um, I, I guess for a few factors, because, you know, like, just because of the raw passion and the hunger that was on display around, the, around Jesus, there's, this, there's the passion of Jesus there. And then you've got the passion of the crowd that are, are around Jesus. And then you've got the passion of these guys who did everything that they could to get a paralyzed person, to get an invalid, to get, I don't know if it was their friend or someone that they passed on their way to church, but they did everything that they could to get this man to the feet of Jesus. And, and it was like all this hope collided at once. And, and, and you know, remember Jesus, and it says, and when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he responded, and there was this big God moment, and, and the man's spiritual and physical brokenness was restored, the kingdom of God had manifested. So uh, today, uh, in talking about the kingdom of God, uh, I just want to kind of frame this message around kingdom reset, that, that Jesus came and, and he, and to, to bring a reset on creation, to restore, to redeem you know, it says in Corinthians that we're a new creation. There's this kind of sense that, that Jesus was, was here to bring something new. And, and, and it's interesting, actually, in Matthew 11, verse 11, Jesus is framing John's greatness. John the Baptist. Has anyone heard of John the Baptist? Framing John's greatness. And, and he said that no one has ever risen uh, greater than John the Baptist. 
Yet whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John, is greater than he. See, John actually represented the old covenant. John represented the, the, the BC, the before Christ. And he was saying, actually, my kingdom, my new covenant, the expression of my kingdom, whoever's least in this new expression is actually greater than the greatest man of the old covenant. It's pretty incredible. Way. So Jesus is talking about he's here to bring something profoundly new and something profoundly better than the old way. And Jesus, you know, you know that he talked about the kingdom of heaven a lot. What did he say? He said things like the kingdom of heaven is within you. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He, he said to seek first the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew um, 18, he says, unless you change and become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. He, dis- he taught his disciples to pray, let your kingdom come. And we saw that, let your Father, Father's kingdom, the King of kings, let this kingdom, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom is firstly a statement about God as king, and God is the Lord of his kingdom that includes the, the seen realm and the unseen realm. You know, Jesus knew what, he was think, what they were thinking in, the, in their hearts. He's looking into the unseen realm and he's Lord of the unseen, unseen realm. The, the phrase kingdom of God could be translated reign of God or kingship of God. So if we just wind back the clock, and I know this is just reframing something that many of you know Already, but you know, Adam and Eve, they were commissioned as royal representatives in the Garden of Eden to steward creation and spread the blessings of the kingdom throughout the earth. They were, they were to be the ambassadors of kingdom. The ambassadors, you know, Eden was the epicenter and it was going to go throughout the earth. And instead, you know, they rebelled against God and, and fractured humanity's relationship with God. And that shattered this kind of the goodness of, of the kingdom, the purity of the kingdom just moving um, throughout the earth at that time. And, and then after the fall of Adam and Eve, God's reign as king is revealed as redemptive. He wants to redeem the broken things in our lives. He desires to let the brokenness of this world be received by the cross of Jesus Christ. This was hitting the reset. This, the cross of what he did, he turned the curse on its head. And so now we receive the blessing as part of our inheritance as being sons and daughters of God. I've just got four parts of my message today. The first chapter or part of it is kingdom restored. You know, the vision of the kingdom of God is, is to see a world recalibrated. Uh, receiving restoration love from the father and the prodigal son, you know, and, and you know that story. It's the story of the father's heart that uh, a, a, of a son who rebelled, yet the father ran to him 
you know, he, he opened his arms to him. He said, hey, son, you know, whatever you've done, it, it's not bad enough to become a part of my kingdom. It, it's not, it, it's, 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 I'm never going to close my door to you. I'm going to open my heart to you. Welcome to my kingdom where the world has robbed you. I want to reinstate you. I want to redefine you. You know, I want to put, give you the ring. I want to give you the, the robe and the sandals. You're a part of my household now. So this kingdom is a kingdom of, of restoration. You know, when the, when the paralytic was lowered to Jesus' feet through the hole in the roof, you know, Jesus was moved by their faith. He was moved by their faith and he saw there's something, oh, I need to bring my redemptive story. I need to bring the, the redemptive gospel. And then he spoke those words that unlocked the realm of power that manifested healing. And he, what did he say? Is it, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up? And it was so casual. <laughs> but he's operating from this heart realm of love, and it's connected with the supernatural realm. So when we talk about the biblical narr narrative of the kingdom of God, the unseen supernatural realm has to be considered. You know, earth was created from the spiritual realm. Cre creation is because of the creator. So the spirit realm is actually a superior realm. It's an eternal realm. It's a pure realm. You know, that's the, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about the godly spiritual realm because there is a demonic realm as well. Creation, though, is the inferior realm. We're subject to decay because of sin. We came from a superior realm. Before the foundations of the earth, you know, were laid, I knew you. So when we're thinking about the kingdom of God, we've got to consider what's going on in the supernatural realm. We've got to think about angels, demons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power of the cross, because from the outset of the kingdom in the Garden of Eden, where, the, where God's kingship was established, his rulership has also been resisted. And Genesis tells us because, uh, because the devil played his hand in the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve became, you know, they were deceived because they ate the fruit. So we've got to, you know, when we're thinking about kingdom, we've got to realize that there's an unseen war around our lives. What does it say in Ephesians 6? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. My second thought today is that the kingdom, God's realm, is a realm that is at war. It is a realm that is at war. You know, this was a garden of Eden reality. There was a principality, a demonic principality in the garden of Eden. Evil was present in a place of perfection. That's a big, you know, that's a, a big concept there. And Adam and Eve, they were having the time of their lives when they were deceived. You know, that, I, I mean... Wouldn't have been awesome <laughs> to be in a place of perfection. 
fellowship with the Father. Yet they were in this place when they were deceived because evil is real and temptation can actually confront us when we're least expecting it. And Ephesians tells us that we need to consider evil through the context of warfare, not through the context of our armchair. And I'm not encouraging you guys to go buy guns. <laughs> not that kind of warfare. But I want to remind you today that the deceiver is pro at deceiving. And he desires to pull us in to his counterfeit kingdom. The kingdom of deception. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, Deb, Deb and I went to see uh, a movie and it was 19, it's called 1917. It was a World War I movie. Has anyone seen that, that movie? I see that hand. You're the only person in this room who's seen 1917. How about that? We should go on a date sometime. Anyway, a mate date. That's what I'm saying. Right. Anyway, um, so, okay, so I'm watching this movie and it's pretty real. It's pretty raw. It's 1917. Uh, it's World War I and it's, it's brutal, really. It's the horrors of war unfolding. And, and, and it's at this point where I just know something bad is going to happen. The enemy's going to do something really unjust to this person who's trying to save them. And, and I'm engaged in the movie. Does anyone get engaged when you feel the movie? It's like it's, you're there and um, this violent moment begins to happen. And my empathy kind of muscle engages so much with this movie that I'm like feeling, I'm getting hot and sweaty. I'm starting to feel dizzy. <laughs> I'm starting to faint. <laughs> and I'm telling myself, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. I'm thinking of snowboarding. I'm thinking of all these other things that I try to do in life. I'm like, I'm unplugging myself from this reality. I'm consciously willing myself to pull myself out of the reality of this movie. And, and I can feel myself losing it though. So I like lean over to Debbie and I'm like, honey, I've got to leave. <laughs> and I staggered on out of that movie, you know, with my ears ringing and feeling terrible. And I sat down on the, on the bench out the front and the attendant, I think, which was Luke's younger sister, came over and gave me a cup of water and, and comforted me <laughs> and said, like, why are you so pale? <laughs> But I'd engaged, get this, get this, I'd en engaged in this alternative reality. I'd got so immersed in that reality, it wasn't real. In a way, I was deceived. My whole body bought into that reality. In the same way, the devil seeks to remove us from the reality of truth through deception. He wants us to live in a counterfeit reality to a kingdom reality. And that, and being the father of lies and the king of lies, that reality is actually a deceived reality. Deception is his battleground. So I want to encourage you just to 
you know, just to remember that ev- not every bright and shiny thing is from God that comes your way. When Eve saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, yum, why not? Ticks all the boxes right there. Why not take something that looks good and is satisfying? It's just a small insignificant fruit that went on to enslave the world with sin and decay. See, she bought into it. It wasn't really about a fruit as such. It was about buying into a counterfeit reality. It was about adding to the word of God and therefore becoming deceived. See, the devil is a master deceiver. I mean, a thought I heard this week from the the book of Revelation that when Lucifer fell from heaven, he took a third of his angels with him, of God's angels, who were loyal to the king of kings. And they became loyal to, to Satan. They became loyal to this alternate reality, this counterfeit kingdom, because he's a compelling deceiver. You know, I know I'm talking about this a bit today, but the big idea is here is that if we want to be connected to the expression of the kingdom, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, we have to anticipate and prepare to engage with the unseen realm. We just can't live on the surface of life and expect that if we just practice good principles, that it's all good. It's actually a spiritual warfare that we're called to engage in and to, to you know, to, to confront. This is interesting as well. Matthew 11 verse 12, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently and the violent men take it by force. So this reminds us, this verse cuts both ways actually. It reminds us that, that the enemy has got an aggressive agenda against the kingdom, but also the kingdom actually advances with force. In the Passion Translation, it says the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken a hold of its power. So the the kingdom is advanced through spiritual passion and engagement. And the question at Easter is, you know, if there wasn't something great for Jesus to give his life for, why would Jesus go to the cross willingly? Why would he passionately pay with his life? And, in, and we get the answer in Colossians 2.15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them by triumphing over them by the cross. So that the cross was the greatest, you know, the, the, I guess it's been said it was the greatest throne that Christ ruled from. That was where he gained dominion. And then he did that so we could then have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. So that when the day of evil comes, Ephesians 6, we can put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the the belt of truth, the shoes of readiness, the sword of spirit, the shield of faith, so that we can take a stand against the flaming arrows of the enemy. 
See, it is a kingdom at war. There is a war for your soul. There is a war for your salvation. There's a war for your legacy. Come on, for your family, for your children. I want to put it out. There is a war for getting yourself to church on Sunday and your children engaged in children's church or in youth ministry. There is a war. I want us as a church family to always consider, you know, in regards to our children, what are we prioritizing on the weekend? Who do we want our children to be when they're 30? And, and New Zealand, I'm going to go there. New Zealand has got such an aggressive sporting culture. Oh. I, just want, I just want to encourage you to prioritize the legacy of who Jesus is through your family. And, and that could mean that we have to count the cost because there is a war for the generations. You know, the church could be gone in a generation. There is a war. Chapter 3, our part in the activation of the kingdom. And this flows on from just what I was saying, really. The, the kingdom revealed through our lives requires us to suit up and, get, and engage in spiritual warfare. If we want to receive the kingdom, we can't just observe the cross. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the, the cross we bear always precedes the crown we wear. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. The cross is a place of activation. It's a place of sacrifice, but it's also a place of power and the demonstration of power. Matthew 6 no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you wear, drink, eat, live. You know, it goes on. Don't I take care of the birds? And then it says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I just want to remind myself today, that to be saved into God's kingdom is to embrace and serve God's redemptive purpose over every single aspect of my life. And if you've been living in a counterfeit reality, a counterfeit kingdom, God wants to give you an invitation into His kingdom. His kingdom is a kingdom to be received. And this is my last thought. Unless you change and become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Children trust completely. They depend completely on those who are looking after them. They're not trying to work it out all on their own. Children don't even understand all the Bible, all the scriptures, all the translations, which version's right, which version's wrong. A child's faith is not necessarily built on the knowledge of theology. And unless you become like a child that is just trusting a loving father, then we're also struggling to enter into the kingdom. I remember I was at an Easter camp. I was 13 years old. Had no idea of the reality of the love of the father. And I was watching God doing stuff on other people's lives and other you know, young adults and 
experienced this atmosphere I'd never experienced in my life. And, and I just remember standing at the back. I was like at the back observing. And then I just had this incredible, overwhelming sense of God's love on my life. And I was like a little child, man. I was just 13. But I didn't get anything, really. I didn't understand the kingdom. I didn't really understand I needed Jesus. I just knew that the Father loved me. And that became such a gateway for my for my next step to follow to follow him and that, that next step of following him and putting him first took me about eight years to work out. <laughs> and as a teenager, I just kept coming back to his grace and falling into his arms of grace. Every time I, I fell over and, and I guess I was like that prodigal son that just kept returning. <laughs> you know, I just kept going. I was like, I'm back, Dad, for a bit. <laughs> oh hi it's me again I'm back home I've been hanging with the pigs again I've been looking for love in the wrong places and then eventually I got it as a 21 year old where I was like actually I surrender I was with uh, man, so glad I did this I was with Dave McGregor after church just challenged me so hard about if I believed that Jesus was Lord and I just kept saying we'll prove it (laughs) because I was also looking at Eastern religion Uh, but I just knew that the the depression in my life and the discouragement in my heart was so overwhelming I was just like I just know that moment back when I was a 13 year old that God showed me here unconditionally loved me that was That was the realest thing that's ever happened to me. So I took one giant step of faith. And it felt like a giant step of faith. I felt nothing. I had doubt. But I said, I just surrender. And I just did a cold, hard, you know, moment. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, 100%. I left my flat that day. I left um, my, my living for the weekends attitude that day. Um, I just that was just the best decision I've ever made <laughs> has it been easy hell no has it been meaningful beyond all reason has God lightened up the path for, for me and my family and continues to love us and comfort us, to expand us, to challenge us because we're a part of his kingdom. It's the greatest adventure you could ever have in your life. To fully immerse yourself in the kingdom. It is a kingdom to be received. I want to remind you that God the Father is with you today. He loves you and he is for you. He wants to right the wrongs. He wants to right the wrongs. That's a word for someone. He wants to right the wrongs that have been done to you. And where it feels actually in the prayer time this morning, I just saw um, an image of a, in the spirit kind of vision thing, I saw 
um, a cord being pulled out of a coat. You know when you don't know that, so, that you've got a pull and suddenly you're half naked because the cord's been pulled away? It hasn't happened to me, thankfully. But I just have a real sense that for someone here today that it feels like, man, I'm just like, I've suddenly been exposed. I want to tell you that God wants to cover you with his love. He wants to cover every area of vulnerability and security of your life. He is a God who wants to restore lost things. I love this scripture, actually. I will share it in Joel 2. He says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And then it says in verse 27, Never again will my people be shamed. And then in verse 28, it says, And afterwards I'll pour my spirit out on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. You know, God is just so at your side today. He is the Father of light. He is the greatest hope bringer. He is the epicenter of everything that is transformational for this world. He's got a plan to restore, to redeem, and to re- <laughs> to see the kingdom of God manifest through your life. I wonder if we could all just stand. You know, grace enable us. Grace enables us to receive what we don't deserve. Mercy sets us free from what we do deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 